Circle Line is a very ambitious project, never before in Singapore. It's Singapore's first monster movie. We're all pretty proud of it that finally we finished it. I think it'll be quite enjoyable. <laughs> the views, information and opinions expressed in this podcast and this YouTube channel are solely the views of the individuals involved. It does not reflect the views of their organizations, employers and employees past, present and future. Like this show? Then rate it 5 stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast by creatives at work. It is produced, written and hosted by Sean Lee Wincheong and co-hosted by Yenling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim and edited by Ray Ng. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool. Happy New Year this time, of course, it's 2023. I wish you everything nice this special time of the year. And speaking of specials, today is an uncool special. Why? It's because we are going to do uncool things to do this month. The uncool things to do this month, what is it? Well, it is built as Singapore's first monster feature film, Circle Line. We have with us, Andy Chen. And he's one of the stars of the show. And of course, uh, Wan, he is the... Wan Fu, he's the producer. I think I pronounced your name correct, Wan. <laughs> Hello! Juan, so, Juan is fine as Oh, well. Juan. Okay, so maybe Juan, you can kick us off and unpack this for us. Tell us, what exactly is Circle Line about? Okay, cool. Um, Circle Line, thanks everybody. And thank you, Gankhu, for having us. Uh, Circle Line is a very ambitious project. Never before in Singapore. We're very proud to have completed it. Um, rantings later but it's Singapore's first monster movie uh, and we're going to actually put the monster in our great transport which is basically the subway the story setting is basically just an unnamed Asian city but I think everybody who takes transport will understand that it's basically about the urban Asian story uh, so there's a bit of a, a mystery Right, there's a bit of a thrill. There's a bit of a social messaging. There's a bit of parent-child. Um, I think it's one of my more commercial movies to date. Uh, so please come down and support. It's actually in the cinemas in uh, KL and also in Singapore, actually. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a spiel, but uh, we're all pretty proud of it that finally we finished it. Uh, but check it out. Singapore's first monster movie with a bit of social messaging. Um, I think it'll be quite enjoyable. Lah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and hopefully one day we'll see it on uh, one of the streaming platforms soon as well. <laughs> yes, hopefully. Don't hopefully, count on yeah. that. Please go and watch in the theaters first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm basically the station master. Right, so if hits the fan, then basically I'm the guy. My, my head's on the line. Uh. So I'm trying to figure out what exactly is happening. Uh, in conjunction of whatever information we are getting from uh, the train side, right? So uh, I'm basically that that part of the, the story. No spoilers, but then the, the idea here is that we want to actually feature a bit of crisis management. So Andy's character is the station master and he's like, oh, you know, something happened. So how? You know, do we verify or not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of dynamics within the, the station control as well. There are people who want to cover their asses. There are people who want to put the hostages as priority. There's the corporation. There's the police. Andy a bit confused with his dual roles. There's no hostages in Circle Line. There's <laughs> <laughs> no hostages. Victims are, are people <laughs> that are in crisis. Uh, but passengers. But yeah, who used yeah. to say hostages suffice if I say. So basically, there, there is a lot of uh, politics and uh, basically crisis management going on but we are basically gambling on the lives of the people in the train so basically that's the part that I'm playing in the in the movie so this is a train that is not in an unnamed Asian country yet. yes yes we want to make it generic but I think uh, viewers will know that a lot of the inside jokes uh, you will know it's about train stoppages delays 
But the funny part is, in all our Southeast Asian neighbors, there are also train stoppages and delays. So I think that's also that's also quite uh quite universal in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So how are the trains in Taipei? Trains in Taipei quite quite well done. I mean, comparable to the MRT in Singapore. The trains in Tokyo very much on time. I know I'm digressing. Uh, yeah, I know we're all digressing. But one of the things that I want to say also is actually a few years back, if I'm not wrong, there was a monitor lizard that was caught under a SMRT train. So it's very interesting. There's a lot of realism in our connect. <laughs> but of course, the, the overall takeaway is it's still very safe to take train. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, definitely. The monster is in your heart. The monster is in your heart. You must overcome the monster, yeah. So Andy, how, how does this role compare then to the other roles that you've ever played in, you know, in your long career? I think when I stepped onto the set, it was a very, very well done set. It was definitely one of the biggest set I've been onto. My interaction with the green screen is minimal in the control room. Uh, but I was on set and uh, I did watch some of their green screen filming and also some of the footages that they show me. And it's definitely something very out of our comfort zone. It's quite CG heavy, uh, I mean, <laughs> to say the least, right? Well, the lead character is a CG character. So I, I think it's really pushing the boundaries. Like, and it's not an easy boundary to push because there's a lot of money involved, a lot of post-production involved and a lot of unknowns involved. So to me, I, I like to be part of something historical. <laughs> I mean, I'm very glad that John uh, uh, looked for me for to be part of this project. And, and, and just to be part of it, because this will be something that people will talk about, right? I mean, like oh, the, the, our first venture into, into a film like that. There is very, very rare, uh, very, very rare given our size, given our budget, given uh, even just the, the creative box that most Singaporeans have. I, I think it's a, it's a bold step forward. Uh, yeah. The lead is a CG character. So you, what is it like to act along like a CG character then? I mean, to be fair, I, I don't really see the monster since I was in the control station, right? So, so I, I don't think I'm the best person to answer that. But for me, my part, right? Uh, my part, I think we are playing imaginary situations and crises. So basically, in that sense, we are imagining what's happening. And I know the director took a very different approach with filming the monster and in the carriage and filming the control station. So in the control station, it was almost like we flow and the director was capturing whatever was happening. So there were some spontaneous uh, reactions. There were some things that was just happening and, and, and playing off each other. And, and I think the director wanted that tension. The camera was rolling and the camera was panning around, moving around to create that, 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 that realism. So I think there's something from my side that I thought was quite interesting. Try, I think you should tell them about the, the green screen part. Yeah, I think, you know, this is a pretty much visual effects heavy kind of film. We are not shy about it. I think it is really first time in Singapore and we really want to show that there, there is a lot we can do with the creativity and the technology that we have, not to mention the talent. Um, so yeah, you know, I think it is an interesting Singapore film to be able to put on screen. The monster is the kind of like the lead character. I won't say how it looks like, but I think if you dig up the social media, you may find a bit of glimpses. And this character and the entire station control uh, story is exactly as what Andy said. Um, we kind of like put it as a crisis management disaster kind of setting. Uh, so the flow was there. It was really about, okay, we are faced with this, how do we verify? Um, so Andy is quite correct to say that, yeah, as far as he's concerned, he has only taken peeks, you know, at to, you know, the monster and the subway and everything because a lot of his character was, I'm at the HQ, what do I do? But I think 
for, for me, la, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, I, I like the control room scenes the best because it's really about, you know, You're just saying that because on. I'm here, la, don't bluff. La. <laughs> <laughs> no, la, no, I, I really like those. I really like those. You're, you're saying because because it's, it's the fastest it's... to shoot. Ah, yes, it's the fastest to shoot. Fast shoot. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, right, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. We also understands that. We underran, right? Remember? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those... <laughs> I mean, for those of you who are who are in the production line, it's it's my very first production that we actually can rap like what two hours early. Then the crew went to play badminton, uh, go and eat what uh, 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 steamboat uh, whatever. I'm like, hey, are you sure this happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, man. I think also because you know all those CG heavy things, you it's all very planned, right? I mean, you can't be too. You can't deviate too much from it, otherwise you're going to get all your problems with your compositing later and so on. It was quite restrictive, but I think thankfully the director, which is JD, JD Chua, um, I think we definitely worked a lot on actually the pre-planning and the pre-visualization. Uh, so JD Chua, the director, I mean, he's a common friend and everybody knows him, right? Uh, we really, really kind of like pushed it to the limits in terms of the prep. Uh, I mean, uh, if he was here, he will complain to you. We storyboarded the film like so many times, changed the version. Then we did a test shoot to look at the stunts. We did a test shoot to look at the visual effects. We pre-visualized the film again. Then we realized, oh, okay, this one cannot. Okay, change, change. After we shot again, this one changed, changed. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really a great learning experience you know, for, for the filmmakers involved as to the kind of quality and the kind of procedures you really need for a visual effects show. Uh, that's something that we are quite proud of. We learned a lot of things. I wouldn't say wasted time, but we spent a lot of time learning, rejigging and everything. And I think it, it's really testimony to what we can actually push out within the region. It, it has been quite interesting as a ride. I mean, you guys have to as watch it. As a ride? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pun intended, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he has come full circle. So, Andy, this was done three years ago for you. Four, five years ago. So you filmed this five years ago. Joan, you worked on this obviously longer than that. Yeah, nine years. Yeah. Ooh. Nine years. Wow. <laughs> From ideation to delivery on screen is nine years for, for me and the executive producer. La. But the rest all fell into place. How does it feel now to know that oh nine years of your I mean, especially for you, John, after nine years of your of your life is now up there done for for everyone to see. I I, I think I think work is never done, la, especially when you talk about movies, right? So, you know, here and there you see it, you'll be like, ah yeah, she can could have done better. Oh, this one could have actually put it in. Oh, this one could have taken it out. I mean, it, it you know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, to be a bit of a poser or whatever, but, you know, a lot of the filmmakers will say, oh, art is never done, only abandoned, that kind of thing. But for me, it's really, as a producer, you see something, you, you still want to improve it, then you still think about, okay, well, the market actually appreciate this, you know, what is the trend like and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, nine years of it, I think... Uh, Good lah. I mean, I I always I would always say I kept to my word lah, because uh when when I was first tasked to do this, um by other stakeholders, right? You know, uh, I said okay lah. I I I will try my best to deliver Singapore's first monster film, you know, like it or not, right? Uh, and then we'll see how far we can go with it lah. Uh, so I mean, I think I I have completed the promise, so to speak. Uh, whether is it going to be embraced, you know, by the audience, you know, it's still it's uh it's really up to you guys. Uh, whether is it going to be bought over by a you know Hollywood studio for a remake? Hint, hint. Okay, I still don't know. 
But then uh, there's a certain level of achievement and yeah, like, I can I can say that, okay, let's finish this. You know, I want to move on to something new. <laughs> Clearly, you spent nine years of a, a lot of your time on this. And of course, uh, you know, you made the first monster film. Uh, what would you say to anyone who has that kind of dream and, you know, that I'm going to spend so many years to make this uh, a, a, a genre film like that? What, you, what advice would you give? I think, I, I, wow, that's a tough one. Um, I think bottom line for producers is really about um, understanding what you can and cannot do and bring in the correct people to help you do that, right? Uh, I think the team is great. I think we managed... Uh, to bring in the people that really wanted to do this, right? Kudos to them, right? Um, you know, sure, there will be friction and, you know, there will be resistance to change and stuff like that. But I think whatever it is, you know, this is also a journey and it's a learning journey for everybody. Uh, so I would say, yeah, just, just bring in the correct people for your task. I think a monster movie, to be really, to be a bit more specific, la, I think uh, one thing that I can probably advice is uh, a plan is different from a strategy sometimes we are too caught up with the planning right let's do a to z right but then i think you have to as a producer you have to really think further than that which is to strategize so why a why b etc etc and then once you form that i think uh, the baby will will have a better chance lah, in that sense uh, i think i learned that uh, i think it's validated you know, through my through, through my mistakes and through how I overcame them. So, yeah, I think, I don't know that I'm generalizing, but uh, I think as a producer, not only should you plan, but you should strategize and bring in the correct people for the story you want to tell. Yeah, I totally guess that's... Get you. I, I yeah. totally get you. I totally get you. Planning, the plan is, you know, planning is, is not necessarily the strategy. Yeah, exactly. I've, exactly. I've had so many times I've gone planning and I've planned for this and to shoot it this way or that. I mean, not, not for film, of course, but in general, and then I go down there and I'd be like, okay, but the location doesn't allow me to do that. Yeah. Oh, whatever constraint, whatever constraint, and then I'd be like, ah, oh, crap. So I, that is very, 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 very pertinent. I think you're working with some people that are even based in as far as away as, as far away as in uh, South America, right? Yes, yes. Um, so, so maybe you can tell us a bit more about that. Okay, okay. We, we actually had during pre-production and pre-visualization, we had consulted Argentinian uh, producers of visual effects to actually talk about, you know, how do you shape, you know, the process and the workflow, which really helped a lot. Uh, we had meetings with them, you know, over Zoom and Skype to actually chat about it, myself and the director, uh, uh, even our cinematographer. Um, we also hired uh, a Spanish uh, monster designer uh, Victor Marin he was very, he, he's very helpful and he's been actually you know pushing for Circle Line in Spain we have actually certain news reports and stuff like that uh, we wanted uh, foreign eyes to design a bit of the monster I know on bloodydisgusting.com they, they, they give it a hint it's a mix of a rat and a lizard uh, that was the initial idea but you know the monster designer the creature designer kind of evolved it also uh, so kudos to that uh, we had our Thai partners involved in visual effects and audio uh, and the final mix we also had uh, a lot of people in uh, you know in, in terms of visual effects and animation right so we have a lot of people in India uh, Bangalore we also had people in Malaysia uh, that really really contributed so kudos to you guys you know Omens KL Right, you guys really helped us a lot too. 
which is why I'm actually very proud that it's really a Southeast Asian kind of thing. You know, hierarchically, the creative kind of decisions were in Singapore, but there was a lot of support uh, within the region that we kind of like want to emulate. And, and um, yeah, we just want to say, hey, actually, yeah, we can we can do pretty good stuff. Uh. Yeah, try us Sounds out. Sounds very know. almost international. <laughs> like. You went all the way almost. to South, South America, you went to Europe, and wow, it's almost... Yeah, it's we very, went to South horrible. America. Yeah, we went to South America because these uh, visual effects uh, producers and supervisors actually worked on Asian films before. So we kind of tracked them down and we kind of gave them, you know, a holler and say, hey, you know, maybe you can help us. So they kind of gave us, you know, certain frameworks to use. Uh, obviously, the frameworks change, right? And it evolves to the complexities of what we wanted. But it was a good kickstart. Lah. I think to everybody that has contributed in one way or another, I, I really want to say thank you very much. I mean, as a producer, I really appreciate it. Some things we took on, some things we didn't, right? But I think in the end, you know, it's something that I think it's 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 worth the big screen. You know, check it out. If it's not up to par, um, yeah, I mean, just give a, give us a, a tinkle, you know, we'll chat about it and then we'll, we'll do better the next time. Like, it's really an interesting project, like I must say. Yeah. How does anyone even get the stamina to do some of the same thing for nine? I mean, for nine years, especially a one food year. at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No one year. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's no way back. You just have to take it in, uh, plan for it to, to, to go in a straight line. So supposedly, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been really, really quite an interesting ride because really from scratch. Uh, from the ideation of of uh, so-called the executive producer coming to tell me, hey, I want to make a Singapore's first monster film. Let's do it together. Uh, until now, you know, yeah, it's been nine years. So we we looked through stories. We hired, you know, people to help us. We wrote the script uh, together with, again, the script writers, right? Um, we raised the money. We did, you know, the, the test shoots. We raised more money. We hired, you know, Andy and the rest for the shoot in 2018. Um, we did post, I think post-production specifically for the visual effects, uh, well, easily one and a half or two years because again, there was always tweaking, you know, what did we do? What didn't we do? Then we were all ready to launch uh, in 2020, right? Um, uh, uh, we had it. In yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So, You're not things, <laughs> yeah. so, so yeah. we were actually kind of like gearing it up because it was Comic-Con, right? Singapore Comic-Con, we did a kind of like promo pre-release, a teaser, right? December 2019 Comic-Con and we said, okay, Singapore's first monster film, you know, interesting, talking about, you know, crisis, motherhood, blah, 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 blah. Stay tuned. Wow. Then, okay, the bigger then monster really called COVID tuned, uh. came in. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned until two years later, right? which is which is kind of sad. But I think, uh, you know, we took the time to kind of like refine a bit of things to get more feedback on certain uh, storylines, on certain uh, visual effects things. And then we slowly tweak it together. And yeah, so we have come to a head. Uh, hopefully, yeah, it's something that people will be excited about to watch. I mean, it's it's not going to be like, you know, Marvel or whatever, but I think it's it's an interesting milestone, lah, specifically for Singapore. And I also say for Singapore and the region, because we had a lot of regional support. You know, our Malaysian partners, our Thai partners, um, yeah, it, it's 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 pretty interesting, like It's pretty interesting. I think I was like eight kg lighter, and like my hair was just completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like actually I was uh sort of involved slightly before the rest of the cast. JD was a friend. Juan was a friend. We were talking about the script and also uh, so I mean, to me, 
I feel like regardless of the 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 show, which which I think is a labor of hard work, like I have to say a labor of a lot of effort and a lot of trials and tribulation. But regardless of of, of this, right, I think they have positioned themselves in a place regionally to be able to handle projects of this skill and also this specific speciality, which is actually a very broad, it's a very genre CGI thing, which is very, very, very needed in our region. So I think, it, to me, I feel, I hope it's a first step to, to many more of a project like this to come. And I think it opens up a lot of doors and possibilities. And that's, that's a great thing. Yeah, I, I just want to also talk a bit about the kind of uh, thinking behind it. La. I mean, as a producer, and I mean, Andy will know what I'm trying to say. So I think in the Singapore so-called uh, motion picture world, right, what we have, we have a lot of Jack New stuff. We have a lot of comedy. We have a lot of horror, you know, and that's one extreme. You know, and then the other side of it is we have a lot of world cinema. We have a lot of, you know, well, for lack of a better word, art house cinema, right? Which travels, wins awards by great filmmakers. But there's this, you know, middle ground that I always feel as a producer that is kind of like largely untapped, which is really about pure entertainment, mainstream audience. But again, you know, to echo what Andy has mentioned, this is a, is a wide berth. But I think there are opportunities here, you know, to actually tell entertainment, entertaining stories and put a bit of production quality and art in it. So I think, you know, the production company behind this, which is Taipan Films and actually Omens, uh, I think there is that commitment to see what we can do in this so-called uh, uh, middle ground, right? Because actually, it's the middle ground that actually gets the audience talking, you know, uh, uh, people want something more. Right, people want stories. People want scale. People want to go into the cinema to watch something that is spectacular but feel good about themselves. You know, I mean, of course, you know, sometimes your film festival ones will actually offer that, or you know, the other end of the spectrum, which is, you know, typical comedies we already have already. Right, so we just want to try something different, and we also know that technology will drive so-called entertainment. So, you know, again, kudos to the executive producer and, and all the people that actually stuck with us. It's really about, okay, now come, let's let's try this out. Yeah. It's crazy, but I think uh, we push through, we push through. Compromises confirm have one, right? Uh, could we, should we, can we, you know, regret always, right? But I think it's something that is worth the big screen. So again, you know, sorry to plug this, but I think it's, it's worth your time in the cinema and you know, as the producer, and I'm sure Andy will agree, we will be more than happy to engage again to see how we can do this better, how we can learn, how we can shape this. Because I think really, really, this kind of storytelling is here to stay, lah. Yeah, yeah. And and of, and of course, we are not throwing shade at all the comedies and the Jack New things that you mentioned, yeah. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, yeah, they, 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 obviously. They have their own they are, success, but yeah, their placements. You see, yeah, exactly. But on that note of placements, because you guys are, as you said, you are trying something different, trying something new. Was it? Uh, no one has done it before. Was there any moment in your time, whether for Andy, I guess, on on set for you, John, over the longer process, including post production, this one where you thought that, oh damn, I'm not gonna live this down. This um, this is gonna stick with me for the rest of the, when I sleep, I can't sleep tonight, and you know I'm so uncool now doing this. My the amount of effort and energy compared to Juan is probably quite a lot less significant, la, right? So for me, it was it was a, a great experience, la, yeah, and it was for me the production period was quite concise also, and and just to watch the way they 
okay, they are very unique production. Uh, so like when I'm on set, everything was storyboarded to the T. So and everything was done. They knew exactly what they needed to piece it together. Um, because it was such a new project, because it was so CG heavy that everything was everyone was very well prepped and they knew exactly from the sound guy to the director to everyone, the, the, the offline editor that was editing on set, everything. So it was very carefully uh, pieced together. So at least for my part, my, my control room part, I, I could tell that everyone was very professional. Everybody got their lines down. They were improvising very professionally and everybody just knew like, okay, let's do our, our part as well as possible because they have a lot of other moving parts to deal with already. So I think that was the, the energy going in. Yeah. It was a very methodical production. You know, I think uh, everything was planned, everything was storyboarded. Um, even if there were minor tweaks after the day shoot, the entire core team, right? You know, the director, the cinematographer, the visual effects supervisors, the assistant directors, they were all huddled and they would say, okay, what did we do today? What are we doing tomorrow? Where can we actually adjust and everything? So um, it wasn't one of those, um, for lack of a better word, you know, it's like, I never mind, I just do it, lah, you know, that kind of productions, uh, which I'm very thankful for, you know. Uh, so it was very, very meticulous. Kudos to the team. I mean, the team that we brought on, uh, really, really, they did their part. Like, it, it was almost a precision military operation, if I dare say so myself. But again, even then, of course, you got, you got to adjust and you got to actually, you know, play against, you know, certain restrictions and uh, certain changes. But I think... Um. Yeah. You know. Uh. The production was pretty pretty cool. We shot in Iskandar Malaysia Studios, which is a soundstage just like forty five minutes away from you know the Singapore border. Or is it fifteen? I can't remember. But really awesome place. You can do a lot of things with that. Uh, we shot with a lot of partners. Um. And yeah. I mean. You know. Coming back to to Andy's role and also the control room. It was very interesting to see how the shoot for the control room was was approached lah. I think um, Andy will attest to that. It was really as if there's something going on, right? Uh. And I mean, looking back five years, uh. Yeah. I think you know we we had a good team. Um. Everybody actually was quite committed. Uh, especially in the control room, and I'm not just just saying that because you are here, but I think uh, it was it was fun lah. It's it's something that is a bit rare lah, and I'm very thankful that you know uh, it happened on my watch, so to speak lah. Yeah. The production quality, <laughs> I have to attest, is also very high. Uh, like when we walked into the set, we was like everything was you can do a close out of almost everything on yeah, set. Yes, you know? yes, everything yes. was beautifully done, completely yes. believable, <laughs> and then that it made it so much easier for us to just. Believe go la. in character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in character. Yeah. <laughs> we we even use the set for our production meetings at the end of the 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 shoot, which is Might quite interesting. Well. Might as well use the real estate, man. Use yeah, the yeah, real exactly. estate. You really got it. So exactly, you, exactly. So you've been you funny. you you kept saying how this is fun and 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 this you know and all this John as I mean for you especially, but you've been doing this for a very long time. I think twenty two years is an independent producer. How how crazy are you? I think I'm quite crazy. Yeah. I think uh I think from then on, I mean we have spoken about projects before, Sean. We have spoken about projects before and because the uh it's like it takes up so much of your time, nine years, and then it shortens your life probably, but you still continue to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. I... So, so what what is the secret then to, to independent producing? You think? And that keeps you going for this, you know, this many years. I think in the end it's really about getting stories out. I know it's a very idealistic kind of answer, but I think for me as an independent producer, it's always about getting the stories out, getting unique things to be said. 
um, I think the the drive for me has always been about, hey, this is interesting. Uh, why not? Let's do it. I have many projects that have not been actually uh, 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 produced because it wasn't successful with raising money and all that kind of jazz. But I think every story that I wanted to make has a special part of it that I want to to say or be part of. And I think that kind of keeps me going. But today is a good day because today I'm kind of hyped up about Circle Line. Uh, but of course, on a bad day, I would say, what am I doing? You know, uh, it's really ridiculous. You know, why am I doing this? You know, I should have taken property. I should have taken accountancy, you know, all the kind of jazz. Yeah, but I think what drives me is to look for the stories like, that is fun. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this one, this one really, really was pitched to me. Right, a lot of people uh, uh, who are in the industry will say, "Oh, you know, how did you stumble upon this?" Um, this was actually pitched to me, and I found that it was very unique and very interesting. So I said, "Okay, I'll hop on and do this." Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I, I guess you can say from an ideation perspective, um, yeah, you know, the executive producer uh, came to me and said, "Hey, you know, let's do Singapore's first monster movie." I'm like, "Wow, okay." Then I said the same thing as you, Sean. So I said, "You must be crazy." Right. And I say, yeah, never mind, you know, let's do it. Let's prove that Singapore can do something like that. Uh, you know, we, we can work together and then you can find the resources and we'll do it. So, I mean, in Chinese, it's like, you sang le zhe chuan, you know, you, <laughs> you, have, you know, embark on this, you know, dodgy pirate ship. But I'm glad that this has actually come to the harbor in a way. But it's, it's tough, but I think it's really about telling unique stories. And even for the so-called art house film festival, film producers, it's, it's the same thing also. Right? It's really about finding a story that you can be inspired by and saying, hey, actually, I can do this. Uh, why not? Let's try. Right? But you know, you guys know like, it's not been easy. It will never be easy. It may be easier now, maybe, but yeah, it's, it's, it's mad. Lah. It's mad. Lah. Okay, so the very first time I saw, I saw a, a John full uh, produced film. I was like five and it was going to be turned to Pontiana. <laughs> <laughs> I was like five or no, six. No, you're not five. <laughs> it was like returned to Pontiana. I think that's the year 2000 or something. Sean, you remember it. Thank you. <laughs> I guess that was your first time producing, right? This is now. So In how terms is the of craft producing of, per se. Yeah. Uh, how has the craft changed for producing? Wow. Well, that's a book, man. Uh, Return to Pontianak was one of my first uh, feature films. I guess you can say Singapore's version of the Blair Witch Project. Uh, for those film people, you may understand that. But it's it's a it's a modernized take on the Pontianak legend. Lah. So those of you who also may not be of Southeast Asian uh, uh, heritage, Pontianak is a female vampire ghost. So that was a horror movie that I did a long, long time ago, which kind of like... Uh, kicked into this uh, producing so-called career and 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 my interest in telling i guess southeast asian stories bring the folklore to life you know stuff like that i think in in essence the craft has evolved but it has not changed why i say evolved it's because the craft has become a bit more systematic whether is it technology or the awareness of media and storytelling Right, but I think uh, it is it is still uh, not easy to bring people together, lah. But that's also the challenging part. So I mean, in my early days in my own company, um, my lo- my my motto was bringing people together to make films. You know, last time a bit idealistic and naive, right? But I I kind of still believe it. You know, in in some ways, you you bring people together to say, hey, let's do this together, and then let's see how far we can go. I think that spirit is there. But uh, things have evolved to be slightly more quicker, you know, because of the awareness, you know, that stories can do well, you know, 
uh, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say branded content contributor, but people are very aware that, okay, you have to tell a story. And then after that, it's the market. You know, what is the market? So those are the evolutionary paths, which I think may make it uh, so-called more systematic, right? But then bringing the people together and finding the other resources will still be still be a challenge. Lah. Yeah, I'm talking about producing per se, but if you're talking about technology and everything, if you go into oh, yeah, it, course, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah heaps and, it's a heaps. Yeah, 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 very, very different, right? Very, very different. You know, nowadays you can shoot anything with the iPhone. Oh, feature film, okay, shoot with the iPhone, Park Chang-wook did that, um, right? Previously it was, oh, oh must, must book film, uh, must rent camera, wow, it's tough. Uh. I'm actually seeing a trend here, you know, you went from horror, Pontianak, now to monsters, like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't think we ever see John producing a musical one day. I have actually talked about musicals before, but I think, I think musicals are a challenge for the Singapore and the regional audience. We've actually talked about it before, um, but I, I, I think it's, it's, it's again as what I mentioned just now, right? I mean. You can plan, but then once you strategize, then you, you, you have to really think about all these considerations. You know, is a musical something that we are ready for? I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Am I willing to try? Honestly, I'm not too sure. I go to so many productions nowadays. Of course, not, 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 not broadcasts or not films. Uh. It's normally like the, the corporates, right? They'll be like, why are your cameras so big? Uh? Why are your cameras so big? Why are so many crew? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interestingly enough, okay, this one, maybe Andy can also chime in. The funny part is other freelance producers have actually told me that sometimes uh, the client will actually ask you, how come with the budget that we give you, how come you only, how come your camera is so small? So actually clients will, will kind of like want that pomp and circumstance and sometimes the freelance producer has no choice but to, you know, so-called air on the side of having big lights and big camera just because the client wants that kind of scale. We never know about these things, you know. In the end, it's really about the stories that you want to tell. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and, and back to you, Andy. So one was talking about what motivates him to stick on a project for so long. I, I guess in your case, is what motivates you to travel to do these projects because you are based in Taiwan. Like, what, what motivates you to come back and shoot in Iskandar and Singapore and so on? I think for me, acting has become a bit of my calling. Not a bit of my calling, my calling, right? So, like, I know a lot of people that are actors, um, they act. I always ask this question to the actors that I'm closer with, like, do you live to act or do you act to live? Right? So, I think for a lot of them, um, the answer is I act to live, right? You know, so my family's what, what is, um, gives me meaning, my parents or certain other things, like certain projects and passion. And, and I think I belong to the group of people that, like, in a way, I live to act. Right, like so it's no longer about, um, like the money, the fame. Like I'm slowly getting as I grow older, it's getting less and less uh important to me. Um, and I've been I I I introspect this for like every second of my life. Like like why 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 am I doing this for? Why is this and 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 it's just that it has something that is almost given to me as a gift since I was a very young boy, and I feel like I'm here with the storyteller, the filmmaker. And I'm their pain, and I want to be as great a pain as I can, as truthful a pain as I can, and that is just what I I can do between action to cut lah, right? And and before that, all that prep work is all just research and understanding. But just to be present and to understand that that has been my my mode of operations for a while now, and therefore searching for that storyteller has become very important to me, right? Because. Johnny Depp needs a Tim Burton, right? And 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 for me, I I just feel like storytellers like they, if I'm not a 
right pain for them, then there's no value for me to be in this production at all, right? But if I can help tell the story better, I can give more value. So I want to be there. I want to be in front of that storyteller and, and be that pain for that storyteller. And that's what I'm seeking. I'm seeking that in Singapore. I'm seeking that in Malaysia. I'll seek that in Thailand. I'll seek that in Africa. I'll seek that everywhere. And, and that's why I'm in Singapore. That's why I'm in Malaysia. That's why I'm based in Taipei. Um, I'm just looking for the storyteller to, that say like, hey, you know, you, you are what I need. You know, and, and, and to me, I'm very thankful for the audience. I'm very thankful to the EPs. I'm very thankful to the people that feed my family and everything. But eventually, I serve the storyteller. Full stop. That's, that's all I care about. And that is... That is how I, I operate as as for for my life like, at this point of time. Yeah. So do you ever look back at your older work, like you know, fighting spiders or the very early ones and go like, oh man. Every work, give me like three months after every production, then I look back and I'm like, oh Allah, cannot allow, what, what am I doing? It is a yeah, reflection of, of your I'm sure it's the same for every artist, right? Because you are constantly growing, you're shedding old beliefs and ideas and, and craft sets, and then you are you're understanding new things. And when you just look back, even if it's a very short time. It, you just you are a different person and, and that, that difference is most of the time uncomfortable. Yeah. For Circle Line, right, there was a lot of things that uh, I felt like I learned a lot from that production. During the test screenings, as, I, as you have done, I think many people have been picking up on Andy's ponytail. It seems like a character of its own. So maybe Andy, why don't you tell us uh, how, how long did it take for you to keep that ponytail and how do you keep to maintain that something like that for so long? Oh, uh, very difficult. Uh, very difficult. <laughs> I mean, I was, I naturally look uncool like that long <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know, like, like I was saying, like, it was just, uh, it was a rebellious phase, like, you know, I, I think I was very tired of, um, doing the same thing over and over again. I was just using my hair as an excuse to try and get out of things. And I have to be very happy that uh, they tolerated my long hair uh, because a, a station master with a ponytail is a bit progressive. Uh. <laughs> so yeah. It wasn't a character thing, it was a personal thing and then you just didn't want to cut. I think they, it was a character thing. Uh, I mean, it was a personal thing, but then they were like, say, hey, maybe we could tie it this way and then make his character so it suits his character, which is a bit rebellious in the show as well, right? He's very, he does things his way uh, and then he doesn't really care about like the hierarchy and stuff like that. So he just wants to get things done. And and I think that it reflects like, and I hope it works. <laughs> And of course, behind the scenes, the thinking for John is, I'm not going to fight this man over his hair. La. Let's just get on with it. <laughs> Andy is so difficult to work with. Allow. No more, no more. <laughs> so you went home, your wife didn't like it, then your, your kids must have been thinking. What's no going one on? liked it, la, okay? No one. <laughs> absolutely no one liked it, la, okay? Including myself, okay? <laughs> but then, oh, I see. You know, yeah, oh, so it's something that you look back now and you think, like, oh man, what the hell? Even at that point of time, I thought it was like, no, it's not working. La. I, I mean, I had a vision of how it was going to look like and then it didn't turn out that way and then I was just like, everybody asking me to cut all the more I don't want to cut. So I, I was stubborn for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and and now it seems to have, got, have generated its own series of comments for you on the, on the test. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's received. Uh, probably in a very comedic, a comedic manner. <laughs> right. And next, but if, if Circle Life is a success, people will be like, okay, I want Andy to, you know, if it's to long the next hair role, again. Tail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly speaking, Character wise, I feel like it, it it is not the character that shines in the show, but the situation, right? So if you put him in a in a control room in a, any other day, 
it's just another guy. La. Like, oh, this guy a bit weird. How come he can live long hair? Nobody else can, right? Maybe like that. But like if in that situation, right, when, when push comes to shove, how do everybody react? You know, how does he react to his subordinates, to his superior, when the big boss comes down and when he's on the, on the phone call with, 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 you know, people that are suffering? How, how do you actually... That situation I felt and the way they captured that situation, I felt was more important than that character himself. Uh, so I'll, I'll put it that I'll put it like that la, yeah. So assuming that John is not in this room, how will you rank it in among all the roles you've played in your life? I cannot. I can't. I can't rank it. I can't, I can't rank it. Yeah, it's not that f- uh, far away from my personal character. I I, I would say that. Yeah. And it took a while. I mean, to to get offline. I am it. So I think there's a lot of that time that you had to. He was so introspective about it. So, of course, uh, there are many, many reasons you should be watching Circle Line. Uh, in your in your opinion, or uh, being the producer, being the star, why don't you give us three reasons why everyone should go watch uh, Circle Line, like, other than because it's got Andy Chen and it's the first monster movie. And... Wow, this one must think one, eh? Clock is ticking when we think. Okay, I go first, I go first. La. I go okay. first. So, yeah, why don't you give us three words or three reasons yeah. to describe go Circle Line? Go first, I'll say all the more obvious ones. All right, <laughs> And, and spoiler-free, okay. of course. Spoiler-free, spoiler-free. Okay, I mean, first of all, most blatantly of all, it's the first monster film in the region, right? So that itself is a breakthrough. And I think that itself is, is, is one huge reason, one great reason to give a look. Uh, two, if you want more, right? You want different. You want something else uh, rather than your usual feed or stuff. Uh, you want to see the industry go in another direction. If this interests you, you should. You should, definitely. Um, three, I think... Just fundamentally, the production value is there. It's shot in, uh, it's shot in, 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 in a way, in a method that is unusual. Um, it has a new director, interesting director. Um, we have a very different way of filming production, and I think all that in all, it just it will probably come out with a, in, 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 in as something that you have never seen before, lah. I'll just say that it's gonna be something that you've never seen before. But well, actually, now you mentioned you all keep mentioning monsters. What do you think is so appealing about monsters in films? Actually, wow, that's a that's a PhD paper, man. But okay, let me try to let me try to echo that. I think monstrosity on screen, aside from the scale and entertainment, it's it's really about the subconscious. Right, I don't want to make it too cheap, but if you really study, you know, and, and go and dig up monstrosity in cinema, it's really about subconscious, it's about insecurity, right? It's about some it's about like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about, that kind of thing. Uh so you know, not to over intellectualize or chimify it, right? Uh there is also something that I was attracted to, especially during the writing process. And and Andy will know this also because we were talking about okay, there's a crisis you know, what's happening, right? And I mean, you know, uh, semi-spoiler alert or whatever, as what Andy also mentioned is that, okay, what do we do? Can we do this or can we do that and how, right? And then people will say, ah, don't bother lah, we should actually just cover up or people are saying, okay, we should do the right thing. So I think that part is very interesting, you know, and you link it to insecurities, you link it to uh, the unseen problems and stuff like that. So to me, I think the... The monster in monster movies are like that. I mean, if I were to allude to the monster movies that we know of, right? You know, Pacific Rim, right? This is the cap of Pacific Rim. You know, it, there's also a lot of underlying things. You know, there's a crisis where people come together, right? It's from another universe. I mean, whatever it is, right? A Godzilla, right? There's a bit of, 
you know, animal testing. There's a bit of uh, mysterious trace back to your heritage. I mean, all these things are very interesting to talk about. So for us, we were saying, hey, you know, those are monster universes. Uh, we can possibly do something, you know, that's based around this region, right? Uh, and and I think um, for those of you who know, you know, the the, the cinema audience, right? There there are also other monsters in the region, right? Um, very long ago in a galaxy far far away in the nineties, uh, Thailand had a monster film, right? And it was based, it was based on the mythical bird Garuda. Right, oh. so some of you may may recall this, but it was a it was a pretty old film, yeah. So it's like Garuda is a very Southeast Asian Indian Hindu Chinese thing, uh, that they also kind of like brought it up, right? Uh, and then of course you know in in Malaysia you have so many you have so many interesting folklore related to monstrosity, which is like you know insecurities, elephant in the room. These are great storytelling methods, right? In and for me as a producer, it's like. You know, we can actually bring this out and, and talk about it. And maybe I'm trying to say, because of Circle Line, we kind of can approach these things now. It's a matter of packaging them, right, with technique, you know, which is visual effects and maybe talent, right, actors like Andy, you know, directors like JD. It's it's possible, lah. It's to see who is mad enough to do it, lah. Yeah. I was, I was, I'm, just think, I'm just thinking as well, like, okay, if you have a monster, you want to do a monster film, why make it original? Then you keep thinking about how, at that point in time, nine years ago, all the MRT lines are breaking down every day. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. So, so the inspiration. <laughs> that's yeah. a wonderful, it's wonderful if something bad happens there or something. So, John, how, so what other reasons should we, or what other words we use to describe Circle Line and why we should catch it from the 5th of January, right? Yeah, from the 5th of January. I, I think, okay, just a really shout out. You need to watch it in the cinemas, okay, because we need to actually bring in the public audience back to the cinemas, right? Take it as a celebration of getting out of covid Right and 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 being more aware of you know the community, uh, and we need to keep it in the cinemas so that you know the distributor and the exhibitor continue to show it for you guys. Okay, what's the problem for Singapore? Singaporeans are are a bit lazy. Okay, I'll, yeah, there I've said it. So sorry, but by the time we decide to watch a film, right, the Singapore film, right, yeah, no more already. That's always been our biggest challenge. Right. So, Unless you're a Black Panther because they show that 40 times a day. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. So so sometimes that dynamics of the business is not really known to the general consumer. So you got to really plan and, and watch a Singapore film because by the time you say, oh, you know, next week, la, next week, next week, by the time you contemplate two weeks later, right, it's not in the cinemas. And you know why? Because the cinema will say, oh, nobody is watching. Right, so I will take Wakanda forever instead. Right, so it's it's a very difficult thing, but this is a very producer thing. So yeah, you know, pack the cinemas, bring in the crowd, so that you can watch the film eventually. Right, just now Andy mentioned so many already. I'm actually at a loss for words about three things, so I'm not very sure. I will talk about maybe the storyline I I think the storyline also never before seen. Uh, it talks a bit about you know uh, cover-ups. It talks a bit about mystery, uh, but there is also a very uh social conscious message in it, which is something about you know the story going on in the control room. I I, I won't say so much. Actually, I think we say a lot already. But But I think the control room is very interesting because I think it is really about when the crisis happens. What do you do? Do you do things right or do you do the right thing? Kind of vibe. Right, uh, I think uh, the third one, you know, uh, ringing it back, bringing it back to Jessica Liu. I think 
the story about parents and their children is also pretty significant, right? Um, we really wanted to to release Circle Line in 2020 uh, Mother's Day, right? Because there was that kind of hint there. And there's a kind of uh, interesting story, not to give anything away, twist there, but I think that's also worth it to kind of share. So, you know, when we did test screenings, uh, people were saying, oh, you know, we want to know more about that, right? But sometimes, you know, uh, um, because of how the movie is made and everything, we say, okay, we can only tell this part of the story. Um, maybe if you're interested, we can actually evolve into so-called the multiverse, which is something that we're exploring. Uh, so possibly a sequel as a game and stuff like that. But that's really up in the cards. But we must really see how this how this one really goes up and, and, and escalates into something that we want to watch. Yeah, so I think for my side, is yeah, the parent-child stories are interesting. The uh, social message uh, of, you know, do things right versus do the right thing, right? I think those are the two. From the way we've been describing it, it sounds like we need a prequel of Andy Chen's character in the control room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that is going to take you another nine years of your life, right? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Hopefully when things escalate, you'll be lesser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine more years, you'll I'll be like, I'll be 14 by then, I can watch it. Huh? Oh, man. <laughs> Okay, so after all your experiences, um, and we always ask all our uh, guests this question, of course, because this show is called Uncool, and I'm going to ask you both this. Uh, whether well, uh, uh, when, whether it's uh, specific to Circle Line or not, okay, but when were you guys the most uncool? And what will you say to yourself? I mean, since you've all clearly evolved over this project. So, so when was this? When do you find this was the most uncool? And what will you then say to yourself? I'm the most uncool, according to my wife, when I had the long hair when I was shooting Circle. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She hated it to the core. Oh, she interesting. Was like, she really hated it. Like, and she was not alone. Now. A lot, a lot of producers have told me to cut my goddamn hair at that no, time. And I was like, no. I just don't want a cut there. I don't <laughs> want a cut. I was in that face and then just rebellious face and and I, I thought I looked okay, I didn't think I looked good, but I thought it was not so bad. But looking back, looking back, that, that was, was it when the I director was really specification. Uh, was no, it JD no, no, specification? JD wanted me to cut as well. Oh I see, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah, they wanted it, me to cut as well, yeah. But okay. then I was just like the more someone does me to do something. Is that oh, your cool. vibe? The more someone has to do something, the less uh, motivated you feel That's to do my it. Vibe. Even if it, they want me to be more cool, <laughs> I cannot do it. So That's why I was, that was my most uncool. Actually, speaking of vibe, we're just very curious to know, right? If we were to go back and dig into your old school podcast, whether it be from the time you were in Poly JD or even before that, what would your teacher say about Andy Chen? I think I was just insignificant <laughs> I was not I was not super good I was not super bad I was just trying to find my place la. and 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 I was just a nobody I felt like a nobody also um and only when I found film actually in FSV that's when I started to find myself that was the first time I actually felt like hey actually I'm not an idiot <laughs> like maybe there is something I can I can do right so so I think that that's what you will find like, any time before my FSV period which is my diploma period you can ask Joanne that's what we met right that's how we met right? <laughs> yeah Andy Andy made a made a short film that was pretty good and prominent so you know we kind of like kept in touch then it was it was yeah FSV I mean again yeah all of us here from Niana so yeah, <laughs> yeah so, mm. so when were you the most uncool then and what you yeah. said to yourself yeah Wow. What do you say to yourself? 
that's also tough, man. I I think I I think I'm always uncool when I maybe prioritize something beyond my own personal instincts. I don't know whether that sounds weird, but yeah. So so okay. For example, like sacrificing maybe family time, maybe personal time for work, and then you realize that actually, uh, what's the point? Right, you know, obviously some sacrifices, uh, you definitely get a gain, right, and then you feel happy about it. But I think uh, there are times when you ask yourself, wow, is them uncool to like maybe turn down, you know, maybe a personal appointment or or maybe a date or maybe time with your family, just so that you can actually pursue something that's work related and it doesn't work, right, um. So I think if I were to tell myself something, I guess I would say prioritize and keep focus on on yourself first, lah. You know, I mean, again, hucking back on circle line. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been really tough, really blood, sweat, and tears, and health, and everything, right? Uh, so yeah, it's it's uncool to sacrifice too much. So I will tell myself, okay, you got to really prioritize your own needs first, lah. You know, health is wealth. You know, friends and family are important, right? That kind of thing. But it's very weird because as a producer, you're always go getting. So I kind of shoot myself in the feet, right? Yeah. It's it's very cheap, also because I expected something like Andy. You know, my hair very long. (laughs) You want to do the cheap? Are you calling me superficial now? No, no, but, but on that note, I guess uh, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on 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 about Circle Line. Let's go make it worthwhile. Everyone should go go catch it. Uh, of course, uh, you know, and uh, help so get, support them from the fifth of Jan. And so, uh, Andy, what's what are you up to next? Or uh, what's up? What's up for you now? After, of uh, course, we all catch Circle Line. When can we catch you next? I have a Chinese drama coming up on Channel Eight called Mi Jai. Um, but I think early early next year. Um, I'm on a couple of projects in Taiwan right now. Um, and I might be back maybe March, April for another one or two projects in Singapore as well. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So we look forward to that. And of course, we can follow what Andy does and on his socials, which is... Uh, uh, at Andy Chen, A-N-D-I-E-C-H-E-N on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and what's your... So- and if and for Circle Line, if you want to follow Circle Line, and of course, if you want to follow you, John, what are the... Uh, what, what, where can they do so on what socials are they? I think the socials is Circle Line the movie. I think Circle Line is also on Facebook and IG. Uh, my IG is uh, interesting. My IG is Juan Fu Fighting. Yeah, because I think yeah, Everybody forever was be fighting. fighting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, you carbon date yourself, sell out. Yeah. So that's me. Uh, but I'll be more than happy to engage and and chat about uh, uh the the learning journey of Circle Line uh. I I mean for me it's always been like that it's, it's always uh, let's do one film so that we can do another film and learn from it I mean it's tough or whatever but uh, yeah stories are important and let's feed the mainstream audience lah. you know I think the mainstream audience will enjoy genre they'll enjoy certain escapism and certain levels of scale lah. yeah yeah. so I don't know what's the next thing but I think uh, let's see how far this one can go lah. and yeah. ho- hopefully not going to be years and years before we see your work hopefully again not. Hopefully not, hopefully not. Yeah, yeah. Looking out for the next adventure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, or, or maybe just end up becoming an accountant, like you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you see me uh, making the accountant kind of switch, you know, I know. Times have changed. Yeah. 
thanks a lot, everyone. So, of course, uh, catch Circle Line. Uh, I'm super excited about it. If, if that's the uncool thing to do this month, of course, it would be cool if you even cooler if you will catch it. And on the note of watching, well, thank you all for watching today. Also, catch our old episodes. Drop us a five star rating. Uh, leave us a review. And just support us because it's cool to be uncool. And that was the uncool thing to do this month. If you or your business has a show, an event or a product launch, an initiative or even any activities coming up, you can reach out to us at contact at creatorsatwork.asia to share it on the show. Other sponsorship and collaboration possibilities are available too. Meanwhile, don't forget to drop us a comment, rate us 5 stars and subscribe to our channel. And remember to stay uncool. Like this show? Then rate it 5 stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast by Creatives at Work. It is produced, written and hosted by Sean Lee Wen-Chong and co-hosted by Yenling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim and edited by Ray Ng. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool.